Welcome to the In the Bag podcast from a another gorgeous day in Houston, Texas, but early in the AM here. And with me as always is Jazzy, James Haldeman. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. It's not early in the AM there. It's early in the AM here. It's not even light outside yet, so I can't tell you what kind of day we're having yet. <laughs> yeah, uh, thank you for uh, getting up early to, to do this and fit this in a, a workable time schedule for both of us. It kept me from being lazy um, in bed, so this is great. <laughs> Fair enough. Also, I like your I like your uh, PSG hoodie there. It was a gift for taking care of a dog that had some tummy issues while I was at my house, so I wear it all the time yeah. in remembrance of that weekend. <laughs> I like it. It's awesome. Jordan brand and everything, which I didn't even realize they had in soccer, but here we are. Yeah, I don't know um, how many other places have it besides PSG. I think there are like uh, a few more, but not too many do. Well, I can tell you that Zenit does not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but uh, yeah, so last weekend was another awesome tournament. Uh, we got to see yet another playoff. I feel like the playoffs have just been coming in strong. We need, we need to start making playoff bets. Yeah. It just, like, it needs to start I think, happening. I think we is... would have made probably money last season if we had just bet yes on every playoff prop. <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely since the reboot. It's like the fifth one. Yeah, so, uh, so that that is... Five and what? Four months? Something like that. Yeah. Five and four months. Yeah, that's that's really wild. Yeah. So we had <laughs> just the uh, what I say the <laughs> the bombing Scotsman, yep. uh, and o- part owner of the Loch Ness monster, uh, Martin Laird, uh, coming through with. I don't know if I've seen a performance on a Sunday that's quite like that. The, I guess the last one I can think of was maybe in Camp Champs win. He kind of, I felt like he had similar, uh, similar shots, but they weren't nearly as difficult as what Laird pulled off. And then maybe whenever uh, Spieth won at the Travelers, whenever he was having his breakout year, oh yeah, uh, I, when he, you know, when he holed out that bunker shot, I, I, those are the two that that I kind of think of with how Laird played last weekend because it was uh, something I've never quite seen before. Yeah, it was a weird, a weird seventeen, eighteen. For him to kind of kind of finish up the round, you know, he had a an, an incredibly difficult up and down on seventeen. That was that was all world. The way he was able to get that one up and down, and then eighteen, you know, just barely missed a putt that would have won him the tournament. But I mean, technically, so did Austin Cook and Matt Wolf in regulation, who he ended up beating in the playoff. Right? They both had really good looks at birdie on eighteen that would have won in regulation. Uh, Matt Wolf also had one on seventeen in regulation that, that would have won in the tournament. You know, in hindsight, he didn't know that at the time, that he just barely ran past. I've been burnt now twice by Shriners Open in playoffs in back-to-back years. I'm a little disappointed in that, but I am happy for Laird. He was 250-1 to 1 on the books when the when the, the odds first released. So it's a, it's a pretty cool long-shot win. Uh, he was insane with his irons all week. He made the putt when he had to make it. And he had some really great up and downs when he had to have them. So credit to him. And especially coming back to win the playoff after bogeying 18 to let yourself into it. That shows a lot of, I guess, mental fortitude. Yeah. And, and you know, we had, didn't even mention the the fried egg lie. Oh, that was that an incredible bunker that, shot. I, I mean, <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen a, a, a bunker shot as plugged as that one. I mean, would you say 60% of the ball was... In the sand. Yeah, I was. I would say fifty to sixty percent of the ball was definitely in the sand. He was just trying to pop it out and not hit it, you know, seventy yards past, and then <laughs> it ends up going in. That was. It, it's a pretty cool. Uh, it was cool video in slow mo too because he's like looking away at first because the sand's coming back in his eyes, and then ends up like as he's turning, kind of celebrating at the same time because it looks like it's going in. So it was, it was pretty awesome. I thought in that moment Matt Wolf was going to win the tournament after he hit the shot on nine. I don't know why. I was just like, okay, this is some momentum we need. Gets plugged. He's a little disappointed in the shot. He thought he carried it all the way there, and then he hold it out, and I was like, never mind. Some things are meant to happen. Yep. Yeah, I think I think that you texted me something to that effect. So, But anyway, Martin Laird's, you know, he's a likable guy. Of tour veteran, uh, so it was good to see him win, and you know now he gets to keep his card for four more years, and you know that's uh, that's always good to see. No complaints from me. I think the other two um, takeaways from the tournament for me are, you know, Bryson and Cantlay. I th- I mean, Webb had a really solid Sunday, but Bryson 
and Cantley just both had two each had one really bad day of the tournament, really bad start to to a day of the tournament, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Which is really unexpected. Bryson came out and shot minus nine, which was awesome, even if it wasn't the lower round of the week after Matt Wolf fired a, a ten under on Saturday. And it, it looked like he was just going to run away with the tournament at that point. I think a lot of people were ready to hand him the trophy in golf Twitter after, you know, he just made the course look like a children's course, basically. Uh, and then his, his Saturday, he just started off, what, six under through se- six under through seven. He just was really, really bad when he was in a position where, you know, the, the tournament felt like it was kind of his to lose even after a so-so Friday. And then I felt the same way about Cantley on Sunday. He just kind of threw it away in the first six holes. It, it shows how hard what he did the last three years there is finishing, you know, second, first, and second. And he was going to join, like, Jack and Tiger, and I don't remember the third name, as the only players to finish top two in a tournament. Gary Player. Yeah, Gary Player in four straight years. And then, yeah, it just kind of shows how hard it is to do that. And he, he, you know, had a bad tournament. I mean, it was nice to see him stick in there. He still ended up finishing, what, eighth or twelfth? Eighth, yeah. So it... It, it was just, it was a little disappointing being that he was in our one and dones and Bryson was our number one golfer, even though, you know, he battled back for a pretty solid finish as well. Yeah, I mean, I think it shows the type of volatility those guys can have. Yeah. Um, particularly Bryson, and we hadn't, we hadn't really seen it. I mean, I know he, obviously he hasn't finished great in every tournament, but I don't think he's had the round that he had on Saturday before. Yeah. Where he just, I mean, he was so off on, I mean, he was hitting from, all sorts of places wasn't you know it's like one of those like you know we were waiting for him to get unlucky on like some of these wild tee shots and like he just finally did mm-hmm. and it just like all all happened in one round where he's behind trees in in stuff he can't hit out of uh or he's out of bounds or you know whatever it may be it was it was not a good start to saturday but it's something that can happen with him and it's something that can happen with cantley both guys are just crazy wild off the tee but i mean it was still it was a fun tournament what uh? What do you got for some club up and club downs uh, for this weekend? Yeah, I think it's club up is really one name, I think, for me. And I think it's because he stands kind of above everyone else at this point, given his performances over the last, I guess, I guess since the PGA Championship, and that's Matt Wolf. I think his game is just accelerating at such a fast rate. You know, at first I thought his iron play was a weakness. Well, now we're to the point where he is, on average, gaining strokes approach. We know how great he is off the tee. I feel like he's also you know, calmed that club down a little bit. He's consistently hitting fairways. His putter, we've kind of been told since he came out of college, has always been a weapon. Uh, and I know he, you know he barely missed some putts at the end, but he was giving himself real chances to, to run those in. And his, his around the green game also looked pretty pretty solid as well. So I think it's time to start talking about Matt Wolf in in the same scope as as Morikawa and Hovland. Um, and he might he might be further along than Hovland at this point. We haven't seen Victor play in a while, but I feel like we kind of with those three guys talked about him as kind of like the third best. And I, I think that's more of a, a conversation now for those three guys coming up. Yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, it's funny because he started so far, like, you know, you were saying he started so far behind them and for him to catch up at this type of pace where, you know, I would say at this point, Hovland's the the worst of the three. Right. You know, I think everyone expected Hovland to be the best of the three, I would say. But obviously, golf's in a great place with having those three guys lead the way moving forward and, you know, also having guys like... Scotty Scheffler and Sung J.M. Um, right there with him. The two that I'll, I'll say that particularly for me this weekend, uh, Sung J.M., another great performance, gained 6.54 strokes off the tee, uh, 8.94 in the ball striking category, continues to uh, trend in the right direction. Uh, I like him for this weekend. Uh, and then uh, another guy that finished right there with him, um, Joaquin Neiman, Finally put it together on the greens, gaining 2.1 strokes putting, which is a little unusual for him. But uh, another solid tournament, and I think this is, uh, I think the the CJ Cup this particular weekend is another tournament where he can do well, and he has the ability to go super low. So uh, those would be my, my two club up guys. Uh, yeah. What about in the club down section? Club down, 
I mean, I, I think it's just because it was uh, disappointing because I expected a little bit more out of him coming into the tournament. I think you, you talked me into him a little bit more than I realized I, I was because I was rooting for him as Jason Day. It's just a weird all-across-the-board negative strokes gained week for him, which you are very rarely going to see out of day, given he's probably the best in the business around the greens, and he's a really solid putter as well. But it, it just looked like everything on those greens fooled him, and it, it, that's probably just a, a product of him not playing this tournament very often, where a lot of these guys are playing it in back-to-back years, or you know, Webb Simpson's probably played it 20 times in his career at this point. So I think it, it, it was just a weird week for Jason Day. I don't know if it means anything going into this week, especially at a course where you know nobody... Nobody knows what's going on, but Jason Day is my club down for this week. Totally fair. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not as down on him as you are because he gained gained like three strokes off the off the tee, so that's that's a good sign. And you you suspect the other stuff will correct itself. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I'm just kind of looking through here. You know, there's some guys that just had some crazy bad on the weekend. You know, Stewart, Stewart Sink lost 10 strokes on, a, on approach despite making the cut. Yeah, I, I, I saw he had a really, really bad strokes gained <laughs> approach number despite making the cut. His, his uh, what did he finish, like 10 over on Sunday or something like that? It was yeah, crazy. Some, something like that, yeah. I, I don't really have anyone that very much disappointed me. Um, you know, Day... Day was someone that I liked, but he didn't kill any of my lineups. I think probably the biggest one, I don't even think he had a terrible weekend. He just played kind of okay, was Ventura. Everyone was kind of on him last weekend, and he just, you know, didn't putt, didn't hit it up, you know, wasn't his normal self off the tee with his length, and he missed the cut. Yeah, I guess um, I guess that's something we haven't really talked about is that yeah, the cut was crazy at seven under. Yeah, and we so, didn't talk about that. Yeah, that was that was a fun. It was a fun sweat. Yeah, and so oh, well, your definition of fun is different from mine. So it was like you know, it was just a weird number to have to go after. And so there are a lot of guys that were were not gonna that have missed the cut that we're not gonna talk about in this club down section or penalize right. Like, yeah, right. Scotty Scheffler missed the cut, but he missed it at minus six. Like, how how mad are you at him? For that you can't you can't yep. really same with same with Morikawa right and Morikawa missed it at six now Morikawa's a little different he missed like two seven footers for birdie coming in on sixteen and seventeen to give himself a shot to to make the cut that I'm sure he'd love to have back at this point but yeah there there are a lot of guys that you know miss the cut at minus six that you just kind of like throw your hands up where normally you know guys miss the cut if it's if it's weird we talk about I guess. For, I don't know what what to do with Ricky Fowler this week. I guess that's my other reaction that maybe could be. But he really only had, you know, he hit, what, three balls in the water in two holes or something like that, and that's the reason he missed the cut. He made a, what, a triple, or he made a triple or a quad because he hit two balls in the water on 16, which is basically giving up four strokes to the field on the easiest hole in the course. And then hit hit one in the water on 17, and that that was on the front, and it just kind of threw his day away, basically. Well... I know how that makes me feel about it. Uh, everyone else is probably like, oh, you know, he played well besides that. No. That's just classic Ricky. Classic, weak, mental Ricky. Yeah, okay. That's kind of what I thought we were going to get there. So uh, that, like, if one thing goes bad for Ricky, he's not going to make the cut because he's going to pout and hit it in the water two more times because the world's against him. I wish we so, had a stat for that, where we could see, like, if somebody hits it in the water from a spot, how many times do they hit it in the water the second time from the same spot? I bet Ricky would lead that category. Like, that dude definitely has gone through more sleeves of balls per round than anybody else over the last, like, three, four years. Yeah, so I... I no, uh, I'm not... I'm not here for the, uh, the standing for Ricky this weekend. I hope Hatch isn't listening this week. <laughs> Yeah, he's. You know, it's funny. He's gone from like a, a fairly likable golfer to one of my least favorite golfers over the course of this year. Very quickly, um, that's impressive. It is. It is. Yeah. So we got a new course this weekend. The CJ Cup held in South Korea last year as part of golf's initiative to go to more places. I think also before the COVID thing, there was there they were supposed to have an Australia or no, they had an Australian like a a four a four ball sort of thing, right? Yeah. In uh, a little four-person tournament in Australia, went to the CJ Cup. They're trying to do more events out in the southeast, uh, Southeast Asia, Australia area. 
obviously not able to do that this year. So we were at Shadow Creek in Las Vegas for a for the Vegas swing, second half of the Vegas swing. And what do we know about this course, Jan? Absolutely nothing. What we know about it is what we saw from the match one between Tiger and uh, Phil Sands quarterbacks. No quarterbacks in that one. And I guess the other thing we know about it is you have to stay at an MGM resort hotel to play it as a normal person, and it still costs a buttload of money even if you're staying in their hyper-expensive hotels. So it's kind of like a a playground for for rich people. It is a lush course dropped in the middle of a desert, and somehow they managed to keep it lush. A marvel of modern engineering, I guess. Probably... People like to talk about how much water it takes to make an almond. I wonder how much water it takes to keep this golf course running is the real question. But yeah, it's... it's I, I love this course. I know you do. I mean, so, like, I, I mean, I've never played it or anything, but I, like, have read about it a lot, even before the Tiger Phil thing happened. And it costs $60 million to plant all these trees and basically just... I mean, if you go look at the pictures online, it looks like it's just, like, a, a huge, like, you know acre by or not acre like square mile it looks like of just forests in the middle of the desert in las vegas and it looks it just looks awesome and it's completely you know man-made uh you know the, the, as you said they they only have the the one showdown or whatever you want to call it between between phil and tiger there it also if you go to their website and you like i was like clicking through to kind of like see whatever all the holes look like and whatnot and what the distances were they just have quotes from like all the famous people that have played there oh that's awesome they have like like a michael jordan quote a wayne gretzky quote it's uh that's pretty interesting as well yes uh it's like the it's like the palm springs of las vegas yeah it's like the little playground for for the the rich and famous to go play golf but yeah i mean i think the course you know, so we don't have any data, obviously, uh, but the course is is sim- similar-ish, um, I guess, to Augusta. They're both like 7,500-yard par, par 72s. They're laid out a little differently, or a lot differently, obviously. No course is actually like Augusta. Um, I think I think you'll you'll when you look at it, you'll you'll get Augusta vibes. Oh, okay, fair enough then. Yeah, see, I didn't go through the pictures of all the holes. I just looked at the yardages. Slaughter's bringing you more than I am this week. But yeah, I think three of the three of the par threes play really long, two hundred plus yards. There are four four par fives. Uh, I think three of them are definitely gettable. Probably all four are for for most guys with with the length they have. It's it's interesting. It I, it seems like the fairways are wide, and I'm basing this solely off the fact that both Phil and Tiger hit seventy plus percent of fairways, and neither guy actually does that on any given course that they go play right now. So so I think. You know, driving distance is probably what we want to weigh more than accuracy this week. And I think strokes gained off the tee and strokes gained approach will, will both be very, very important this week. And and given that it's a par 72, no, no cut event with 78 guys in the field, and we have a lot of talent this week, I, I think the scores are going to go pretty low. So I think um, you're going to want to look at guys that make a lot of birdies. Given also that, you know, there will be 72 holes worth of birdie opportunities for everybody. And in general, in these type of events, the cream tends to rise to the top. So I think you'll want to focus at, at the top of your your DraftKings money pools um, for the most part. Yep, I'm with you there. Well, let's just go right into the lineup building here. We'll go, we'll start, we'll do, I think it's best this weekend to do, uh, we'll talk about the 10,000 plus guys, and then we'll talk about guys in the 9,000 range. And then maybe we go from... The eighty nine hundred to seventy five hundred, and then seventy four hundred down. Fair. All's fair. All right. So this weekend we have six guys ten thousand or above, which is I think first time in a long time that's happened. Yeah. Uh, we have Wolf, Shoffle, Rory, Thomas, DJ, Rom from least expensive to most expensive. I think, as you said, I think it's important to have one, if not two, of these guys, given the fact that the as you said, the cream typically rises in these no-cut events because you're, you know you're going to get four rounds out of one of the best golfers in the world. Therefore, you should take that opportunity when presented with it. Which of these guys are you targeting, and which of these guys has the best value, and which of these guys are you fading? Start with fade, and I think I'm going to fade Dustin Johnson. I think he's shown 
the ability to have more rust coming off long layoffs. Where, like, you know, we got Rom back and at the beginning of last year. This was even before the restart, but he showed a little bit of rust coming back from the restart, but he was still posting top 25 finishes, where DJ was missing cuts when we first came back. And so I, I think DJ shows the most potential for rust coming into this event, but he also gets four rounds to work it out. So how much that matters, I don't know. Uh, but I'm going to I'm gonna pass on DJ here. I think the best value out of these guys is probably Xander Schauffele. I think he was the hottest golfer in the world coming into this. You know, he technically won the Tour Championship on aggregate, finished fifth at the U.S. Open, and he just had a bad final round. I think he, like, finished plus two um, to to kind of put himself out of contention. I mean, not that he would be Bryson anyways, but he's just been really, really great. I don't think he's finished outside the top 25 in his last, like, six tournaments, which is just super consistent and, and what we expect from Xander Schauffele when the biggest names in the field are all there, or the biggest names in the PGA Tour are all in the field. So I, I think Xander's the best value at the fifth most expensive price. Uh, I, I, I guess the guy I'm targeting is Rory. I'm just going to hold out hope that these last, you know, he had a, he had a really solid uh, tour championship, finishing eighth, and then, um, you know, finished eighth at the U.S. Open as well, which, is, which was pretty solid performance. And so I'm hoping that Roy's kind of turned a corner, and I think his strokes key number with his irons, which is where he was really lacking when he wasn't playing well, uh, I've started to indicate that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna look to Rory. Yeah, um, I don't really have any qualms with any of that. I think all of these guys. I the only reason I, I I'm not sure you can f- like straight out fade any of these guys. If I had to pick someone, I think I would just pick Rom, just because I feel like it's gonna be hard to pair. Rom with another top guy, yeah, just because he's the most expensive guy. The thing about DJ is, yeah, I mean, he can put together like a crazy round, and you know you're getting four rounds from him. Mm -hmm. So I don't want, I wouldn't want to fade him because that scares me because you just are missing out on potentially just a boatload of points. Yeah, Um, DJ can just go out and shoot 62 one day. Even if he's had three other bad rounds, that's enough for a boatload of points. Right, exactly. You know, JT ha- is is awesome here, as you pointed out before, before when we were talking before the cast. He's all three of his victories are at, were at no cut events last year. He's just awesome in these types of things. Uh, I, I see no reason to fade him. There's no, no all these guys are playing well, right? right. And that is, is unusual. I mean, typically, like last year, like you know, Rory had his stint where he wasn't playing well and he was still getting priced like one of the top guys. At this point in time, none of these guys are playing bad. So. Going with any of them to me is is perfectly fine. I agree with your take on Xander being the best value. I may end up playing him in my main lineup. Currently, I have Rory in my main lineup just because I think Rory may potentially be the lowest owned because I feel like people still think he's playing bad, although we're under the impression that he's turning it around. So, uh, and and maybe I think the one guy that I probably won't play will be Wolf just because. I don't know. Just it, it seems. I don't know. I, I just. I just don't. I. I. I'm never landing on him. I think I'm either going to be going pivoting Rory Xander, or maybe even Rory up to JT, and then Wolf just kind of seems out of the the realm of guy that I'm going for. So, I'm not fading him. I mean, I guess I am fading him, but I'm not saying you should fade him. It's just kind of how my lineup construction has been going. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think. I think I'm with you in the fact that like. You go, I'm going to play Rom. Oh, okay, that's fine. I'm going to play DJ. Okay, that's fine. Justin Tom, you know, all these guys. Like, if you choose to play them, they're they're the highest-priced golfers in the world. We can nitpick about who should have been higher-priced between Rom or DJ. It probably should have been DJ, given his, you know, recent form. But I think these guys are the sixth most expensive for a reason right now. I, I think they should be the sixth most expensive golfers. Um, I think maybe Xander should be above Rory right now, but again, we're just like we're nitpicking specific things, and and given that these guys all deserve to be priced the way they are, I think you can't you can pick who you don't want to play, um, but I don't think it's based on the fact that you think they're going to play poorly. I think it's based on the fact that you think the guy you pick is going to play well. Yep, with you there. The next the the nine thousand range I think is where you win or lose the tournament. Where I kind of thought that was in the 7,000 range the last few weekends. And to be just skipping ahead a little bit, 
I'm not enthralled with the 8,000 range. There's a couple guys that I like, but it's not a range that I want to live in. And the 7,000 range to me is even weaker than it has been in the past, uh, where I, like I said, the last few tournaments I really loved. So the 9,000 range, we have Hovland, Fleetwood, Matsuyama, Berger, Finau, Morikawa, Hatton, Kepka, Cantlay from bottom to top. Yeah, again, let's go with the same strategy here. Best value, best play, fade. I think the best value is probably going to be Victor Hovland. I just think he might end up a little bit forgotten down here. He's also a pretty cheap number. I think after his, what was it, the FedEx St. Jude performance was pretty rough. Yeah, I think he played the course a little bit more aggressively than everybody else did and, and paid for it a little bit. Uh, he's really turned it around. You have 13th U.S. Open. He didn't finish outside the 40 in it, 40th in any tournament in the, the FedEx Cup playoffs. He's a guy that when his ball striking is hot and it can get hot in a hurry, he makes birdies and bunches. So I like Victor Hovland a lot. I feel kind of the same way about you know, Hideki potentially, although, but and he's one of the guys that missed the cut at like minus five, minus six last week after coming in playing really good golf. So he's, he's the guy, he's the guy that can, can potentially get really, really hot. Uh, for fades, I'm going to go to the top of the, the order here this week, and I'm going to say, despite the fact that he just won, what is was it, the BMW Championship on the European Tour uh, on Sunday, and, and I love... Terrell Hatton, so I love watching him win. I'm going to fade him this week. I feel like it's really hard probably for him to travel across the pond all the way to Vegas and come out and win again. Uh, I just I just don't see a huge performance. And then also Brooks Kepka. It's been a while since we've seen him. Hopefully the, the, the knee is rehabbed and he is you know comfortable, but he's it's been a lot longer since he's played golf than the rest of these guys, so I expect a bit of rust out of Brooks Kepka. And I think the guy that I... I might target, I might not, haven't decided yet. It'll probably depend on ownership because I think he might be the highest owned golfer on the slate outside of the top guys is Daniel Berger. You 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 say you said you didn't like him before the podcast and it's it was due to his ball striking numbers. And yeah, he's been a little bit off here and there, but even with bad ball striking, his last five tournaments, his worst finish was the thirty fourth at the US Open, which, you know, for everybody else but Bryson was a bloodbath. So I think I think Berger's in good form. He gained strokes across the board. And, and that provides you with some really good opportunity to make a lot of birdies in a, in a field that is no cut. Yep. Uh, I, don't, I don't hate any of that. I, think, I, I don't think I'm going to play Berger, but I, I, that's mostly me speculating that I think he'll be the most, the, one of the highest-owned golfers, like top five, and I just don't think he's uh, merit, going to merit that ownership. Hovland is easily my favorite play in this. In this, uh, I think that's where I'm planting my flag. He's going to be my Mickelson play. I, I love what he's bringing to the table for this particular weekend, just his ability to strike long off the tee, the fact that he's not going to be hurt by course knowledge you know, from, from some of these older guys. Uh, so I, I like Hovland a lot. I think Morikawa is interesting that I don't understand why he dropped three hundred dollars for being minus six last weekend his ball striking is still as good as ever uh his putting was not good as you indicated where he missed a couple seven foot putts that you got to make one of two of those i mean you got to go 50 percent on seven foot putts and he just didn't it's weird i think i think his price is depressed because you know for a guy that didn't miss a cut in his first 21 starts he's missed three out of the last five and so, yeah. I, despite how close he was to making the cut last week, that's just, uh, I, I think that is probably a trend that that is telling, you know, whether it should be or not, is telling DraftKings something, and that's why they've brought his price down as much as they have. Totally fair. And then the last guy I, I think I'm uh, going to fade here is, or I'm definitely fading, absolutely fading. I, I don't understand this number is Brooks. You talked about it. I don't get why his number is so high. He's not going to be high owned, so maybe that's just a reason to take a stab at at it with him. But I just don't get it, and you know, I don't know. Like he hasn't even shown the ability to produce like super low rounds or to like get hot. You know, maybe you just kind of have to scrap all that because you just have to assume he's healthy if you're going to play him. But I don't understand how you can really make that assumption with what we've seen. So uh, that's that's my two cents there. Yeah, I, I agree with you on all that. I think, yeah, I'm ex- I mean, I'm, I'm excited for Brooks to come back. He's not my favorite golfer, but I think the game is more interesting 
uh, when he's out there and, and we have as many of the top guys in the world playing well as we can possibly get. So hopefully he is healthy this time uh, permanently and uh, we get we get a solid Brooks Kepka performance. I think that'd be pretty fun. Absolutely. With that said, uh, moving on to the, to the lower range here, uh, that'll be from, what do we say, we're going Fitzpatrick to Kisner. This is a range, you know, I have been quite... Quite, uh, quite liking the last few tournaments, and I'm not not an enormous fan of a lot of these guys. I'm really just kind of sticking to the top here. Me personally, the guys I'm targeting out of this would be M and Ustazen, and then I think Art might like not shot in the dark, but the guy that I talked about earlier in the podcast, I think, is going to have a really good weekend here. Is is Walking Neiman, and I'm pretty excited to play him. Um, outside of that, not a lot of these guys are speaking to me or are jumping off the page. Uh, is there anyone else outside of those three guys that you uh, are targeting? Yeah, I'm definitely going to look to play Scotty Scheffler anytime his price gets down below $9,000. My eyes kind of light up because I know he has that top-end talent and those low scores in the bag. I mean, he went out and shot a 59, the Northern Trust. And so I think you give Scotty Scheffler four rounds, he's going to figure it out for one of them and, and go really low. And I think... His price, again, is kind of like Colin Morikawa's. He's depressed in price because he finished um, with a miscut last week, but also did it at minus six and really turned things around ball striking-wise compared to what he had been doing on Friday. He just got really, well, not really cold. I mean, he got pretty cold with the putter, and that was what cost him. So I think... And I think also being around Sung JM, who is somebody else I really, really like this week, because I, I think Sung JM's completely turned it back around. I think he's a guy that you really want to plug into your rosters uh, each week again whenever he's you know reasonably priced and you can fit him. I think that might might depress some of, of Scotty's ownership, given that Sung Jae's been playing so re- well recently. And I have to assume that people that play daily fantasy golf have figured that out that Sung Jae's turned it around. And so I, I'm hoping for, for Scotty to be a good pivot, although I'm probably going to try to play both of them uh, in my rosters this week. I have one guy in the, the low 8,000s that I like and will be targeting, I think, and that's Abe Answer. He tends to, you know, he, I guess he's kind of a gamer, if that makes sense. Uh, he really likes playing against the best in the world. He's been pretty vocal about that. And, and finally, I think, got a big finish last week. You know, he was really good ball striking. He was solid putting. And and I'm hoping that his length doesn't affect him as much this week, given that I think it's going to set up as a second shot course. Uh, and then a little bit lower. I'm not, not in love with anybody. I mean, Gary Woodland entices me a little bit. He's somebody who performs pretty well in no-cut no events. Uh, and then Joaquin Neiman as well. He, he And I, I, I the only thing that scares me about Neiman is that he finally had a week where he got the putter going a little bit. What would you say? He gained two strokes and only finished 13th. Like that, when Joaquin Neiman gains two strokes in a, in a tournament with the putter, I need him to finish like second or third. And it, it just was weird to me that he only finished 13th given that stat. Yeah, um, I don't blame you for that. Uh, his, he was hit or miss with the, his approach play, um, but it was, certainly was better than his last... Uh, a few rounds at the U.S. Open, in which he was really right. bad. But you just also know that he's going to gain strokes off the tee. And also a fun stat: and Neiman hasn't. He's only. He's basically gained strokes putting in every round uh, since the final round at the Tour Championship. And the only times he didn't gain strokes, he lost point two eight and point one eight. Yeah, maybe he's figuring something out. So I think basically, if he just hit, hits his approaches like he once did, I think he can go out and win this tournament. It's interesting. I think something you mentioned earlier when you were talking about Hovland where, you know, course course knowledge doesn't come into effect this week to kind of impact the younger guys, right? So, like, you know, Vegas last week or, you know, the Wyndham Championship or whatever, Webb Simpson's probably played every course that the PGA Tour hosts events at five, six, seven, eight times. And, you know, Morikawa, Wolf. Hovland, Neiman, Scheffler, these guys are all playing these courses for the, you know, maybe max the third time. And so I wonder how much that, and so we also look at, you know, Morikawa, you know, Hovland, Neiman, these guys are not very good putters traditionally. And I wonder how much nobody having 
intimate knowledge of these greens helps them coming into this week where guys just Mm. won't be rolling in a ton of putts and maybe that won't be as much of a weakness for them this week yeah uh i think that's that's completely fair yeah i I mean i think that makes a lot of sense um it it kind of brings everyone back to the mean a little bit uh is there anyone from this particular uh area that that you'll be fading i think sergio is probably priced a little bit too high still just based off of his his one win uh, yeah, and then he had you know two really good rounds to start the week last week. I think he was only one back or two back of the lead, and then just kind of fell off in the weekend. So I think he's priced a little bit high. We talked about Fowler a little bit. I, I'm still like, despite his really good Thursday, I'm not convinced. That's just kind of what what Fowler does. He he he'll have a good round and then kind of fade off. So I think if I'm like hard fading two guys, those will just be two guys I'm not really interested in considering in my lineups. Yeah, I think uh, Rose is is the guy I'm looking at that I like. His name just hasn't come up from, at all from me. Another guy that I I don't think I'm gonna end up playing, um, but a guy that is interesting to me is Paul Casey. Uh, normally, I don't know. I hate playing him in normal tournaments, but I feel like in these no cut events he can have a, a really good round that makes the tournament for you and it'll pay off his price. Um, and he's only eight thousand. You know, he has the ability to go low. Obviously, you know, ball striking machine. So I, he's someone that I kind of like. I'm not sure I'll end up playing him, but uh, but just wanted to throw his name out there. That's that took a lot for you. I'm I that's a that's a very big moment in the podcast for Jonathan Slaughter. Yeah, well, I'm about to have a really another big tournament, uh, another big moment. Uh, so it's okay, <laughs> it's okay. So buckle up. Oh, I'm ready. Let's have it. <laughs> So, oh, but a, a fun stat for Paul Casey. He's gained f- f- strokes putting his last five uh, his last five rounds. Yeah, I mean, I, I, his putting was really solid. I thought at the U.S. Open. So, uh, so I, I don't know. I I like him a little more than uh, than I once did. Again, going below, dipping below the seventy five hundred mark. A couple guys I like here, but I'm not you know enthralled with any of them. Um, I think. Uh, my favorite play out of these guys, I, I keep two names keep popping up for me: Corey Connors, big moment for me, big moment, and and Ryan Palmer. And Connors has been quite good recently. Let me. I'm on Casey's. I had Connors up, but then I had to make my Paul Casey uh, case. So Connors is obviously he's gotten back to his great uh, off the tee play, but he's not getting killed putting anymore. He's gained a stroke, neutral, neutral, lost a stroke, gained a stroke, gained a stroke his last six rounds. I think that's pretty good. And then you know he has the ability to go out and gain 3.1, you know, 3.6 stroke, you know, uh, strokes on an approach in any given round. So I don't know. I, I think I think in four rounds he's going to have a round that that makes it for you. And so I'm 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 digging Corey Connors this week. Okay. That was that's a bit surprising for me. Definitely did not expect that. Uh, to, Look, I only hate bad putters if you don't show any signs that you're a bad putter or a good putter. That's true. But if 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 you sh- if you're showing me something putty, I'm not gonna kill you for it. That's fair. I I I love how reasonable you're being right now. So and then Palmer Palmer was uh, he gained strokes in three of the four days at the Shriners. Uh, had a really bad off the tee round in the third round but uh other than that i think uh i think he's shown to be in pretty solid form you know and it was crushing it really before the bmw he had a bad bmw and a bad tour and a bad us open but i think he's kind of rectified things since then fair enough i have two guys i like down in this range i'm starting to rethink one of them right now just because it it Scares the bejesus out of me is Mac Hughes at sixty eight hundred. Yep. I thought I, I thought about him too, and I and I've been looking at it, and he has not been playing well, just like at all. <laughs> so I had to I had to I had to pivot. I mean, but he's been doing it all with the putter, which is what yes. scares me about him. But I think I think the one guy that I can confidently say that I like and will be playing, and I think it's because you want so much cream at the top of your your rosters this week is Lanto Griffin. Uh, he has been solid. I mean, I, Yeah, I think solid's the right word for a while now. I know he missed the cut last week, uh, but he had, you know, he had a solid first day. I think he was three under after Thursday, and then 
fell off obviously on Saturday. Just had a a few bad bogeys. I think he bogeyed two of the par fives, which you really can't do, and missed the cut. But we're we're in the the Lanto Griffin sort of like sweet spot, right? Sixty three hundred Lanto Griffin's always ten to twelve times his his return uh, at this price point. We get him guaranteed four rounds. He has the ability to make birdies. He's long enough off the tee. And the reason he didn't he didn't make the cut last week was because he lost strokes putting, which is not a thing that that Lonto Griffin does very often. I would say that that's his biggest strength. And he lost lost three strokes putting last week, and he gained three approach. So I'm going to make a case for for Lonto Griffin as a guy who we've seen pop in these types of fields. Uh, has the ability to do it, and outside of last week was on a pretty solid run. Yeah, uh, sounds good to me. Again, you know, I mean, you could fade any one of these guys here at the bottom. Uh, you know, again, I'm just not enthralled with them. I mean, I talked about Palmer. Cam Smith is our is our Kelly Craft play. Uh, and um, another guy that kind of, I think, pops a little bit. He's been playing pretty consistently. I don't think he's going to kill you, not that, that it really matters. I think, you know, you can go a little more risky in these types of uh, no cut events, but Adam Hadwin has been pretty good. I wouldn't say he's been amazing or anything like that, but he is someone that um, that could pop. And then uh, I just can't not play him at 6400 to beat Cam Champ. What are what are your thoughts on Adam Long coming into this week? We have a course that we don't really know what it what it's asking for. He is a guy that basically gains strokes all the way across the board, or is or is tour average. You know, he he missed a cut at at uh, Sanderson Farms, and he, he didn't look great, but he looked like he had started to kind of figure things out on Friday. And, you know, the two finishes before that before that were 5th at Puticanta and 13th at the U.S. Open. What you, and he's down here at 6,600. I don't really know what to make of Adam Long, but he's an interesting name to me. So one thing I've kind of noticed, I'm, like, looking at his rounds, uh, basically, and it seems like he either has a really good tournament or a really bad tournament. Like, he gained four strokes, he gained strokes in every round of the U.S. Open, and then he lost strokes in every round of the BMW, and in three of the four Northern Trust rounds. So, and I'm also just not sure that he can get hot enough if he has a bad tournament to, like, make it, you know, one of the rounds, like, overcome that. So, but I think he's a safe play, right? I think he's kind of, like, in that Adam Hadwood mold, honestly. Like, which is... I think he's a fine pivot. I don't know if you want to make him a main part of your lineup. But I, I do. I, I think he's fine. Okay. That's fair. I was just curious because, you know, I, you see somebody who's got 5th and 13th place finishes in their last three tournaments, and it, it kind of makes you kind of makes you think. Yep. Uh, yeah. yeah. It, it's true. And he's been gaining a lot of strokes off the tee, which is good for this. Um, That's true. So, it, but, his, but his ball striking uh, otherwise uh, has been... He's only had one Spotty. Uh, one positive approach round in his last like seven rounds. So interesting. Okay. But, yeah. I, w- I wonder if the Corrales data, if we had shot link data in there, if it would look any different. Yes, that's fair. Uh, we do not have the data for that. Unfortunately. So that I, I forgot about. Get that. on it, PGA so. Tour. <laughs> well, with that said, we, let's uh, let's get on to the betting. Do you, is there anything that sticks out to you? Yeah, I mean, I think. Look, the cream rises to the top. And so I look at these numbers, I see DJ 9.5, Rom 9 to 1, and Rory 9.5 to 1. I'm not too surprised. I do think it's weird that Thomas is 13 to 1, Shafley is 14.5, or yeah, 14.5 to 1. And then we jump all the way up to 23 to 1 for Wolf, right? So these guys. I, I, Line I, in the sand. What? There's definitely a line in the sand, yeah, and so a line of demarcation that's not there for DraftKings. Yeah, and so I think it's very interesting. I think Shoffley is underpriced compared to the other guys, and I kind of feel the same way about Thomas. I agree with you about Thomas. Not sure I feel the same way about Shoffley. But I thought this was what we thought about Shoffley. It's just that he like he plays these events incredibly well. Like the, he does, the, but I mean, but he's the same price as Rory basically, and. You know, I feel like he should be maybe more closer to 19 or 20. Yeah, that's fair. I, that, that, that's fair. I, I think there are some, some numbers that stand out right off the bat. I think Scotty Scheffler and Sung JM at 38 and 30 to 1 far outpace yep. their price on DraftKings. Abe Answer at 47 to 1 far outpaces his price. M I like a lot. 
Yeah, I, I Hovland, I, Hovland, I like a lot. Paul Casey at fifty to one outpaces you know the guys around him in the field. So I, I think that I think that we can take some numbers from here and and use them. Brian Harmon seventy five to one outpaces his his spot in the field. Corey, He's been playing Corey really Connors good golf well. recently. Yep. So I think there are a lot of guys that the betting market is a little bit higher on. Weirdly, Ricky Fowler is one of them. Than, uh, but the bar- betting market's always going to be higher than Ricky Fowler because people love him. And his price is going to move as, as people bet on him, right? So I, I, I think don't my know. My favorite play to... out of this whole thing is Justin Thomas minus 115 for a top 10. You only have 78 guys in the field this week. And I don't feel like this top 10 price is drastically all that different. I mean, am, am, I, am I wrong about that? Like, I feel like he'd be about even odds to make it if it were a full field tournament. I don't think you're wrong. I'm surprised. These are This is a, a third big moment for you here. You usually don't like uh, minus minus money bets in golf. So this is, this is kind of surprising. But, but Justin Thomas is so good. I mean, it feels like free money. I, it's like I don't know what I'm missing here. <laughs> I, I'm not going to talk you out of this because I actually really like that bet. Uh, I really like okay. that number. That's good. And I'm, then, just, yeah. I'm just taking it back a bit, that's all. I need a second to collect my thoughts. That's fair. Uh, Victor Hovland, again, I think that's, I think that's good, uh, good money. Um, and then my favorite, you know, I, liked, I, I do like doing the long shots on the top tens. Yeah, so where are you looking if you, if you like some long shots? I have to say, there's not one that particularly is jumping out to me. There, there's one, but there's only one. And that's Sebastian Munoz at plus 750. For a top ten, yeah, that's a that's a spicy number. I like that. Yeah, yeah, I, I I like that quite a bit. I think that's I don't I don't understand why he's lower than some of these guys around him, like Kuchar. Like why is he like Kuchar's like six to one? Why is he seven and a half to one? Or Jordan Spieth six to one? Jordan Spieth's not going to finish in the top ten of this event. Like yeah, I mean, yeah. I I think we both agree that Sebastian Munoz is a better golfer than Spieth and Kuchar at this point, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I definitely feel that way. Yeah. I mean, the fact that they have Joaquin Neiman in the same range as Ricky Fowler, Gary Woodland, I think that's pretty interesting for, for, the, top, for the top 10. Hey, and then answer. Answer in the top 10 is, is three, 3.4 to 1. Oh, I, I like that line. Yeah. One. So that's, that's pretty good. Um, yeah, so there's a couple, a couple of these I really like. I think I'm going to have to Mickelson it, though, and that just talks about his 115. Sign me up for that. I, I, I love that. We, we got we went real quick from Victor Hovland to Justin Thomas for the Mickelson play after that number. Uh, that's that is outrageous. Like I cannot believe you getting just slightly north of uh, out of you know even basically even odds for that. So um, so yeah, but I still think Hovland's my favorite my favorite outright guy okay. at thirty at thirty three to one. I think those numbers are interesting. I think the one that just stands out more than the rest to me is some JM at 30 to one. Like that, okay. that number I'll, is, I'll like that, that number is wild. And, he's and 33, the, he's 33 to one on Bovada. I went to Bovada for the, uh, to get the top 10. Gotcha. And stuff. Yeah, we got it. So, but, uh, that's pretty, uh, that's better money. I think those are good numbers. Yeah. I, I think they're fun. So I, 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 unfortunately I don't see any matchups yet, which is a little bit, uh, disappointing. So I was hoping we could, we could talk about those a little bit. Have, have they put the, have they put the, 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 uh, the groupings together yet? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so yet. Maybe not. So that's probably why they haven't got the matchups out. Yeah, probably they usually not. do it based on the groupings, the three balls. I, I am uh, very excited for this tournament though. I, I, we have the top four in the world here. You know, we have, I'm still, we have all the young guns here this week. Get to see a course that is that looks like a a billionaire millionaire playground uh, in the middle of the desert in Vegas at a place we've never played before. So we'll we'll get to to learn some about a new course this week while while the players are kind of learning about it as well. And I feel like that's a fun test for them that we we usually don't get to see. So I'm definitely looking forward to this weekend. It should be a really fun tournament. I, I don't really have anything else. I don't think um, other than you know you should stay away. From Jordan Spieth. Always stay away from Jordan Spieth. Although, did you hear, um, did you see his little clip where he's talking about what he expects Bryson to do at the Masters? No, it was a pretty funny. He was, yeah, he was, it was with Colt Nost and somebody else that, that have a podcast and they were all, all talking and he basically said that he thought Bryson had to lose the Masters. 
because there are like situations where like the fairway for him is like 90 yards wide where he gets to land it. He was like, he basically mm-hmm. has the tee box at one to, you know, this place on number seven. Cause you know how, I mean, Augusta just back and forth on itself the whole way. Right. Um, and, and he's, he's just talking about how much room he has and, you know, how like, he, he did say something interesting, which is something we've talked about quite a few times, uh, given that, you know, like one of the ways to, to penalize, 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 I've been watching a lot of British shows recently, is is to put trees in. And he said there's like a nursery of, tr- like an acre's worth of like fully grown trees that Augusta keeps that they can just bring and put in and make it look like it's been there forever. And so he thinks that like, that might be something Augusta has to do after this year because they can't lengthen the course anymore, really, because they did so right. much of that after Tiger just destroyed it uh, with length for a couple of years. And so he thinks that, that there might be some trees that look natural that haven't been there the entire time coming in because he he does he just he thinks Bryson has to blow up to lose the Masters this year. Interesting. Huh. Uh, you know, I don't know. I think the trees will be more penal, I guess, than than what uh than what Spieth is suspecting but you know we have time to talk about that masters is in a month less than a month a month Somewhere around there they, we so. saw i saw the first i guess ad for it on during i think maybe it's the nba finals or like the day after the nba finals and i got so excited i'm ready for it well let's 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 do it yeah i, I don't have anything else i think it's going to be an interesting tournament uh this is not one i'm feeling particularly strong about but but nonetheless i'm quite interested to uh to view it Always feel strong. Always feel strong. Yeah, looking forward to it. Ready to ready to watch some golf. Like this is these are my most anxious moments of the week where I'm putting my roster together. So I'm pretty pretty happy we sat down and talked some of this out and a and a to give me some comfort in a week where I don't have any data. So <laughs> that's all we have for you this week. Thanks for tuning into the In the Bag podcast. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us there. Uh, if you could give us a rating, a like, subscription download we appreciate it all uh it all it all goes to to helping promote the podcast so thank you again for listening uh we hope you tune in again next week so we can help make sure you have the right clubs in the bag thanks again stay safe